0: Welcome back to the Live to Grind podcast show. On today's show, we have Greg Reed, who is the founder of Secret Knock, which is an amazing event. And also, he's basically Napoleon Hill of our time. He has studied Napoleon Hill. He's traveled the world, interviewed billionaires, some of the most successful people this world has to offer. And the knowledge he shares with you today, you could take out of the five main huge points he shares just one of them run with it and you will get whatever the hell you want in life so much great stuff we talk about the principles of thinking of rich we talk about how to become successful we talk about some things that he has learned from billionaires that actually contradict some of the things i've even said before and there's a great uh insight of the information that he has we talk about the future about how uber is turning things up and changing how the world is going to be in the next twenty years, and how jobs will be lost, jobs will be created. This is this is full of value. Like I literally, like my mind is blown, and your mind's going to be blown too. You are going to love this show. It's a must listen. One of my favorite, uh, beyond the one with my father. This this show is amazing. So before we jump into the show, just uh, want to. Remind you to go over to my website, livedogrind.com. You can check out all our programs there. And also we got our magazine coming out, Accelerant Magazine. If you're looking to get featured in our magazine, just go to livedegrind.com forward slash magazine, and maybe you'll be the next person we feature in our magazine. Uh, we want to tell your story and share it with the world. So let's jump right into it with Greg Reed. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Live to Grind podcast show. Today's show we have the great Greg Reed. What is up, my man?
1: I am still current. I'm not just great. Yay!
0: Yeah,
1: my great granddad. Yeah, the crowd goes wild. Ah! You know, I got to tell everyone that's not uh, is familiar with this cat's work. A lot of times when I do interviews, I start an off you know, camera, people act one way and they, their voice sounds different. And then yeah. they come on, they yeah. got a DJ voice. You're the same guy from beginning, middle, and end. I You're the first one I've ever done. I'm talking about ever that was the same. Pretty cool. I love that. Uh,
0: thank you, man. You know, the part I love about you is like, we're both like the Pulling Hill fans and you've like studied the Hill much more. You're like the, the Pulling Hill of the day. And mm-hmm. you've traveled the country, you've interviewed so many great people and you have so much great knowledge to bring. But what I want to hear from you, Greg, is I want to hear about where you even got into this? Like, what got you into this world? I want to hear about your early beginnings when nobody knew you. How did you get Best into this? The day.
1: So here's the thing. I live in San Diego, California. Is born and raised in Del Mar, little beach town community where I'm in right now. And I'm probably the least qualified guy to do my job. To be honest with you, I get a D in English. I'm not a good student. I can't write. Never want to call it. I'm just a regular cat. But what happened is I started a business and I grew it and I sold it when I was 39 for my first million dollar big deal. And people kept asking how I pulled that off. And I said, I read these books. I went to these events and listened to these tapes. And they asked me to go start speaking at a college. And then they started passing me around like a joint at a Grateful Dead concert. I mean, I kept going everywhere. And then finally, someone said, you should write your own book. And I went, that's a great challenge. And I started, and here we are today. So basically, it's serendipity. But I will tell you this about stickability. The first book I ever wrote is called The Millionaire Mentor. And I was turned down by 268 publishers in a row. The 269th publisher said, Well, do your book. All you got to do is change the title, the beginning, the middle, and the end because <laughs> I couldn't write. So I hired ghostwriters and copy editors, and they made it sound good. It went on to go to nine languages, 65,000 copies the first year. and Became my starting point for this entire journey.
0: That's that's amazing, man. So I'm curious to hear what was the million dollar business that you sold.
1: I own an advertising company. It's called Work Smart, and the whole idea was instead of working hard, to work smart. So we sold advertising promotional items like you know, keychains and pens and stickers and stuff with people's names and logos on them, t-shirts and things of that nature. And it was really interesting because for years that was my circle and the people that were in my environment, never got my mentality. Every day I do pep talks and motivation stuff, but no one else got out alive. I'm talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of people I worked with over my career, but no one really got out alive. And I, I just thought it was really interesting that not everybody, you can lead a horse of water, but you can't make them think. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. so did you – again, I like the whole Napoleon Hill and Thinking Rich thing. Did you read Napoleon Hill's work before you had success with your company? Was that kind of the beginning where it changed your mindset? Because for anybody that works with me, they have to read the book before even work with me.
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. But I'm also not a great reader. So what I do is I just read a few pages a day and I go around. For example, I probably read Thinking Grow Rich – I don't dozens of times but i've never sat down and read it from beginning to end so i pick it up and i go in different sections and things of that nature I, i'm kind of like a bible i guess so to speak and you, you pick out little things that work for you and at the end of the day i consume it i don't just read it and there's a, a different philosophy behind there there's another book and if you haven't you must get it it's called the ultimate gift by jim stovall that is a game-changing book
0: I was on set for Think, which you're in Think, too. So we we interviewed Jim Stovall at Wise, Virginia when we had, had done the Point Hill Day. And wow, dude, that guy.
1: Just get that book. And if you haven't read it, get it. And if you don't read, go get the movie. And it's just it's one of those phenomenons where he sat down and wrote that. He penned that book beginning to end without stopping. And very rarely do you ever hear that story. It was a divine intervention that flew through him. And, you know, he and I are such great allies, but he's a great mentor as well.
0: And for people that don't know, Jim Stovall lost his eyesight at 20 some years old and went blind, Mm -hmm. but he used that and he ended up building a a large wealth and empire for everything he's done. One
1: of well, wait. No, we, we, no pun intended, but he saw opportunity. So he started something called narrative television. And so what it is, imagine starting a television network for blind people it makes no logical sense, but it was called the narrative network. So if you're going to watch two and a half men or something and say, you know, Charlie picks up a coffee mug, turns to his guest and they say, and then all of a sudden the lines go. So someone narrates what's happening on the TV screen. They did it for movies and shows. And it gave the uh, visually impaired people an opportunity to enjoy everything else that we get.
0: Which which is awesome what he's done. And let's talk about opportunities. So as entrepreneurs, we find opportunity, but the ones that execute on it are the ones that, that see the success and the wealth. So what would be one thing that comes to your mind, one of the first big opportunities that you saw that you just ran with?
1: I'm going through it right now. And it's interesting because I'm going through a journey that is it's testing. And you know, here, here's the thing, people watching that don't know me, I'm just a student. Okay. There's no guru that's a student. And when you're a student, you're always learning and progressing. I'll be a horrible politician because I'm willing to change my mind. If I learn something new, I've been published in over 56 books, 45 languages, teaching philosophies that I now question whether they're true or not. And that's pretty powerful. And so I'm going through a a really weird uh, uh, shifting myself. So it almost be like being a reborn Christian, finding out there's no God. It's just such a weird epiphany. So I've been doing a book. It's called the wealth hack. I'm traveling the world and I'm meeting with people worth a hundred million to a billion dollars. And that's it. And I'm finding their exact blueprint. I don't really mind what they ate for dinner or who they hung out with. I just want to know what they did so I could hack their code. And the lessons I'm learning are mesmerizing and they've never been taught and they're so simple but they're blowing my mind and it's hurting my head and it's really interesting because as I'm going through this quest and journey I'm also realizing that I not I don't need to be attached to my old way of thinking, I can start thinking like these billionaires so I can start having those same results. And by the way, I have no desire to be a billionaire. I just want to start thinking like that so I can have a more wealth and abundance in our life so we can be a good steward of that prosperity.
0: So tell me right now what uh, what are some of nope. the things you've learned?
1: No. No. Nope. You may have to wait for it because it's 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 game changing stuff. Well you know what I'll I'll give you I'll give you one. And this one just hurt my head. And you might agree or disagree too by the way. whatever it's, it's hand in the sand, whatever works for you. I was sitting down with a multi-billionaire recently and I was up in Canada and I says, look, I'm just as smart as you. Why are you a multi-billionaire and I'm not? He looks at me and says, because you believe the bullshit lies that you tell and share with everybody. I said, okay, teach me. And he says, you tell people to go find their passion and the money will follow. I go, yeah. And he goes, you're hurting people every day. I go, what are you talking about? And he goes, 95% of businesses fail the first year. You ever heard that statistic? And then the next year, 50% fail. He goes, so within two years, you know, only only 1% make it. He goes, it's because of that lie. I go, what do you mean? He says, when people start their business, they do it because they find their passion. And what happens is that they hold on to it and they go down with the ship. It's their baby. They won't let go. He goes, so people starting a brand new yogurt shop because it's their passion. As soon as there's a challenge, they hold on to it. They keep employees too long. They do whatever and they die with the ship. That's why they fail. He goes, as a serial entrepreneur, we don't think that way. We look for and seize opportunity. We're like a game of Frogger. He goes, we ride one log and as soon as it goes underwater, we jump off to the next log driving by. He goes, we'll never go down with the ship. He goes, until you can change your mentality, you're not going to ever be wealthy. He goes, but once you capitalize on that opportunity, create a life of sustained abundance, you use that prosperity to go live your passion. He goes, do it the other way around and your life will change. That's just the beginning. Wait till you see this book I'm writing. It's, it's, it's scary. When's and it so,
0: coming
1: out? <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing it right now. And it's, come on, it's, it's absolutely crazy. And here's a funny thing. I, I did this uh, mastermind group and and i was doing a deal where people paid 25 grand and they could go with me around the world to meet all these billionaires and only seven people signed up everyone had an excuse why they couldn't go and i find it just mesmerizing how Sometimes we can be given the golden opportunity of a of a lifetime and people don't capitalize it. They let their one side stop them. And that means I'll do it once I get a big break or once I get a big, you know, whatever. But the realities are when an opportunity is given to you, you've got to seize it. And that's what these people do. And then this billionaire said to me, he goes, do you think the Rockefellers, the Gettys, the aggregate people that built the freeways or waste management are passionate about trash or building <laughs> roads or oil or shale? He goes, they saw an opportunity, and they capitalized on it. That gave them the resource to live that purpose-filled life of arts and entertainment and give back to society. He goes, start seeking and looking for opportunities. You'll fail less, and then you'll join the ranks of the wealthy. Anyway, that's just a little nugget.
0: That's, that's a good nugget. So I want to ask you from everything, and you're basically going through this mindfuck right now about everything you've been taught and you've learned, and now you got billionaires telling you in a different way. What are some things that you think that mistakes you've made looking back on your journey? Because you've you've become very successful and I guess defined success, but I think you've you've done some great things. So tell yeah. me where do you think you went wrong?
1: You know, a lot of ego people would sit there and say, Oh, I never made a mistake. But I'd say the biggest challenge I've ever had was using my own money. Uh, you know, the biggest business failures I've ever had. I've only had like two Big business failures, but they, they really took my legs out. And it's because I went all in. And what happened is I didn't use the philosophies and the principles. I got greedy and I saw a golden opportunities and I just wanted to use my, I didn't want to share the wealth. I didn't want to have partners. And by doing that, I didn't have outside input and a viewpoint towards things. And it ended up hurting me real bad. And again, like one thing I, I went all in and I I, uh, I bought a furniture store. I mean, a big giant 16 foot or 16,000 square foot furniture store that's been proven success. 15 years. I did due diligence. I brought in lawyers. I brought in accountants. Everything was dialed in. I used all my own money for us because I knew it was a track record of it. And I, day I closed was the month of the housing crash. How would you know? But the fact is, is that if I would have leveraged a little bit better, it wouldn't inf- have taken me completely out. And so I think that's one of the biggest challenges that I've learned.
0: What, what's the old saying? If you use somebody else's money, use somebody else's wisdom, uh, you're, mm-hmm. you're going to see success and most successful. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess, yeah. It gives you another viewpoint. Now, I think a lot of people that take other people's money and lose other people's money. I, I'm a good steward of prosperity and other people's money. Like, that's again- my thing
0: too. Like If I take money, I want to make sure you get a 10X. Yeah,
1: it, exactly. But I'll tell you one guy I interviewed his, he's a billionaire. His name's Truett. Cathy, founder of Chick-fil-A restaurants. And I remember he had this office that was it's just hard to explain how big and amazing it was top floor of this building, It was just stunning, giant glass, crazy office. And he had one poster on the wall with like thumbtacks, like a hello kitty poster. And I go, what? how could you have a, like, this makes no sense. And it was a picture of a mountain climber. I go, why? I go, I got to know why. And he goes, that's how I live my life. I go, what are you talking about? I go, see, every entrepreneur wants to climb that mountain. They want to see the view from on top. And he goes, what they do is they get a running start. They go, ah, and they start running up the hill. And as soon as they get halfway up, they slip and they fall down to their demise. That's that 95%. He goes, but see that mountain climber? They use something called a carabiner. And I go, what's that? He goes, well, they go up about 20 feet and they tie themselves off. And then they go up another 20 feet and tie themselves off. So when I make my mistake, which I'm guaranteed to do, I only go down 20 feet. He goes, entrepreneurs that are successful understand that simple principle. They don't always go all in on every endeavor.
0: That's that's some great insight. So let, let's talk about the book, Think and Go Rich. Let's talk about the principles, and we're going to assume everybody knows all the principles. Uh, there are going to be two questions to this. First one is, if you were going to sum up Think and Go Rich, what would be the number one thing you got out of it?
1: Again, my thoughts are changing constantly on before this. Before
0: you, you, you yeah. got into this whole position, before, well, let's say, a year ago, what where, where, where did you get out of the book?
1: Well, it's still the same. It, it's the biggest chapter of stinking and Grow Rich and people focus on it the least amount. It's called The Six Ghosts of Fear. And what's interesting is that he spent more time focusing on fear than anything else because he realized that fear is what holds us back. And it's all man-made fear. That's why right after Thinking and Go Rich, he did Outwitting the Devil that sat on the back for 75 years. And the realities are that's what holds people you know, from, from great achievement. And it's, he, back in the day, he wrote Fear of Poverty, Fear of Loss of Love, Fear of Old Age, Fear of Ill-Health. And I don't believe those to be modern fears. I believe in, you know, the 1920s, that was true because you only lived to be 40 years old. But in today's society, I don't know. I don't fear dying and I don't fear losing love. I've been divorced a couple of times. I'm all right. And, you know, so I'm in a different situation. So I think modern I've been modernizing these, you know, with the Think and Grow Rich series and Napoleon Hill Foundation, because his are so time tested and proven. I think they've just been adjusted a little bit. I think it's more like the fear of loss. Instead of loss of love, just the fear of loss, whatever that means to you, you outweighs the benefit of gain. And then I believe that the fear of the unknown is one of the most powerful things because we spend 90% of the time worrying about 10% that comes to fruition, but the greatest fear is the fear of criticism, the fear of judgment. And that's what sticks with me before, during, and after, because I realized that if I was walking down a street in Nebraska and I know no one in Nebraska, if I trip over a curb, the first thing I'm going to do is look up to see who saw me, even though I don't know anyone, because that's my instinct. We worry so much about what other people are thinking. And the funny thing is no one's thinking about us. They're dealing with their own life issues. There's a coffee mug at Disneyland that says, what would you do if you couldn't fail I think the modern twist of that is, what would you do if you didn't give a crap what other one thought? I mean, would you ask that person out on a date? Would you start that business? And that's the new mentality that we've got to adapt and adopt for us to go forward and create a life of sustained abundance.
0: 100%. I love this conversation because it's hard to find other huge think and go richers. So for me, whatever the mind could seize and believes the mind achieves is a quote that every single day I say, which has changed my thought process, but also the big takeaway from the book is, just don't stop. Never stop. And and, you
1: know, uh, and and again, I keep going through these, these, these lessons. I'll give you an example. The first three words of you know, think rich, We've got thoughts are things, right? And Bob Proctor and I wrote this book through the Bullion Hill Foundation, and we interviewed everyone from the you know founder of holistic medicine, JetBlue Airlines, UGG boots, uh, Pictionary, to you know all these incredible people. But I don't think that thoughts are things (laughs) anymore. I did, but I don't think it is. I think it's thoughts backed by massive actions become things. Because once we sat down with, you know, n- neurologists and and, and these uh, the, these people that are studying the brain, we realized there's 64,000 thoughts a day. And fortunately, majority of them are ants, automatic negative thoughts. And so thoughts are not things, but it's thoughts backed by action. If thoughts were things, I'd be a slice of pizza right now. Hey, look at this. Don Green from the Point Hill Foundation is calling me right now. Tell Don what's up. There it is, small little world, right? Yeah. And so, so it's thoughts backed by action become things. Again, if I was a slice of pizza, or when we're done with this, I go to Luigi's and buy a slice of pizza. That thought created a, a desire, which created an action, which created me doing it. And that's for us to understand that we're in control of those thoughts and our actions.
0: So I'm going to ask you something because I just want to know this and see your side points. Outwitting the Devil is a, it's a great book. Some, one of the things I'm starting to think about this and people of any religion right now, whatever. I mean I'm just going to say this because I want to say it. So and almost what I got out of it is if you believe that there is a God that you believe in, maybe that's where your thoughts go and that's what's a reality. But other people believe other things. So in reality, what do we know that's real? We, we don't because we know what's been taught to us over time. But I believe whatever you consume your mind with is what becomes your own reality. So if you're looking at religion, if you're believing in the devil, if you're believing in, in God or whatever you believe in, in my mind, again, I, I maybe watch how I say this. Um, whatever you consume your mind on and what you think is real becomes your own reality.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll sum up. All we know is all we know.
0: Exactly. That's, I'll leave it at that. And we understand that because we've – I mean it's with the whole mind thing. It's powerful and I think some people underestimate what our minds are powerful for doing. I mean you look at Apple. I mean you look at us being a communicator, all these different things. We created this. We made this reality 20 years ago. People thought this was never possible. So what is possible yeah. in the next 100 years?
1: Oh, I, I know it's possible. I'm hanging out with the people that are creating that stuff. <laughs> That's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> if you want to go down that rabbit hole – that's going to really hurt your head, but, and we can do that in a second, but let me tell you about a story about Steve Wozniak that I interviewed in one of these books. I don't remember which one. And it was really interesting. I asked him, I go, how did you and jobs have so much success in your life? And he says, we simply embraced what we did not have. And what do you mean? He goes, we embraced our lack. He goes, rather than run from it, we actually ran toward it. I says, give me an example. And he says, look, when these uh, microchip processors came out, they were so expensive. We could only afford one chip. He goes, Hewitt Packard was rich. They create these machines that go from point A to point B using 20 chips. He goes, I had to pull away five and figure out the work and pull away another five, get it to work. Steve Jobs sold his Volkswagen. I sold my electric calculator. We pulled our money to buy the one chip. He goes, then I had to devise the same system and go from point A to point B using that singular chip. He goes, we weren't trying to be innovative or cool or slick. He goes, that's all we could afford. But by embracing that as an opportunity, we found the shortest, cleanest path and changed the way people do personal computing for the rest of the world for the rest of their lives. He goes, where could you be right now in your own circumstance if you stop looking at something as your greatest challenge, but it might just be your greatest opportunity and blessing in disguise?
0: So on that point, where do you see our future in the next I want to know this because I I want the audience to hear this. What do you envision? Where will we be in 50 years? What is your vision? Because I have my own vision. Where is your vision?
1: I think I my vision changes constantly with the people I hang out with. Again, I'm very fortunate, so I'm not an, uh, I'm a very blessed person. So I'm hanging out with futurists, the Peter Diamandis and, you know, all the people that are doing things to change the way we look at things. And one of them, whether you people like him or not or agree with him or not, Walter O'Brien, uh, you know, the. The person behind that TV show for ABC called Scorpion. And it's interesting 197 IQ and, you know, incredible guy. But you sit down with some of these people and over dinner and your brain really literally blows. And here's what he is saying. And if you Google it and start researching it, you'll find that it's. Pretty much already happening. And he said, in the next three years, the economic collapse that's coming is so grand and so giant, but it's nothing to do with what you think. It's nothing to do with Russia or China or money or Trump. He goes, it has to do with Uber. He goes, Uber is the change, the demise of uh, everything. And I go, why? And he says, well, he goes, 185,000 jobs right now, Uber. It's the biggest, you know supplier of jobs in america and he says if you look about it he goes every vehicle everything's going automated And he goes, if you can't see the automation of everything, then you're really not seeing where everything's going because everything will be automated. And he says, so almost all jobs are going to be automated eventually. And so you got to be very cautious of this. And he goes, if you look at the autonomous vehicles that are out right now that are already driving on three different states and being tested for every country or every single state, he goes, that is the future. He goes, just like 10 years ago, you didn't think that you'd have one of these and have more access to information that President Bill Clinton did, he goes, well, guess what? In only three years, there's going to be driverless cars. And he goes, people are going to love it because it's going to be so cheap. You're not going to need vehicle, gas, insurance, nothing. And for you hit a thing on your button on your car and it shows up and takes you to the grocery store for $2 and another car picks you up and drives you back. He goes, this is where things are going. And he goes, but if they did that and 185,000 jobs are gone and they start pulling the string and he goes, and then every taxi driver's gone. He goes, and then you don't need gas stations. And then there's no car dealers. And then you don't need auto insurance. And he goes, then every high rise that you see when you fly over downtown, every big building has got a parking structure that's unnecessary. That means that fifty percent of the land value gets cut in half instantaneously. And and he starts pulling this string. And he goes, this is going to be the adjustment, all based on Uber. And so I disputed it and. Every day, he, if I could open up a screen, i uh, send it to you. He sends me new things saying, well, here you go, here you go, here you go. And sure enough, it looks like it's going that way. And, but it's really interesting. So basically understand this. A quarterback in football never throws the ball where a wide receiver is standing. They throw it downfield and let him run to it. That's what I'm sharing with you guys right now. Whoever can think, and like he says, the influx of human capital in the next five to 10 years, is so, that's the trillion dollar business. He goes, you're going to have so many amazing people. For example, the biggest employer of, of uh, CPAs, 200,000 people, are already saying they're going to cut at least 180,000 of those people within the next few years because everything's getting automated. All, you can do everything on your smartphone. You don't need these CPAs to do this. And, and you start doing that and from taxi drivers to CPAs. There's an influx of human capital. He goes, imagine we were trying to build the new pyramid and had all these bodies. He goes, you imagine what the greatness that we can do with this human capital. He goes, but you have to start thinking that way. And I asked him, I said, so what are you doing? And he says, well, he goes, I bought land out of every major city. And I go, why? And he goes, well, that's going to be the auto recycling plants that I'm creating because when no one needs the vehicle is the thing. He goes, you have to think ahead. So I came up with my idea, which I'm not going to share with you because I don't want to take it yet. And, but he goes to me, he goes, that's a brilliant idea because whoever can see and capitalize on what's coming, those are the people that will come out ahead. And all the great people of our past, That's what they did. They saw the aggregates to build the roadways and freeways. There was no roadways and freeways. There was no bridges. The people saw that those are the ones that truly created a life and sustained abundance for them and their generation, you know, family. And that's what's coming next.
0: So this even goes back to what the billionaire said about the opportunities. Is taking the opportunity when it comes to itself, but being ready for when it comes, if it's five or 10 years from now
1: or making it now. So everything I'm doing today is being kind to my future self. So it's such a quantum leap. The stuff I'm doing today to plant myself, cause I already know what's coming and I just told you what's coming. Whoever can see that will be the next, uh, you know, wealthy person.
0: So what do you want? What do you want? With your future, what do you when you you end, your life is over? Like, what do you want have to be built? What do you want to leave this legacy? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you want the Napoleon Hill legacy for Greg Reed? or what is it that you want to leave this world and show? Like, you you have a lot more to build. What do you want?
1: Here is the funny thing: is I don't believe in legacy. So it's 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 I, I, it's the strangest thing because I think it's all bullshit. Uh, because I take my kid and my family. Every day from Memorial Day, I, I go to the uh, cemetery. I very, I, by the way, I don't think I've ever shared this before. And I realized that if you walk around the graves, anyone that's passed in the last 10 years, there's flowers. And then if you go back 20 years, very few flowers. But if you go to 1960 and below, there's zero flowers. That's all it is, is two generations and you're forgotten. So no matter what, I guarantee you that someone in 1782 was the greatest mayor and doctor who saved a village, but we'll never remember. No one ever does because history is only written by the winners. I mean, you got the pyramids in Egypt with people still living around there that were there the whole time. No one knows how it was built and yet no one's left. So what is legacy? It's only a story that's told. So at the end of the day, I don't know if I'm a real firm believer about that. I'm more into how about living the best day that we can. And then on your deathbed, go, yeah, I, gave, I left it on the field. I I I did it all. And people always say, what's next? I'm doing what's next. You know, that's what's the cool thing is like, April, we're filming my first major feature film. Everything that comes to my head, I just go do. Win, succeed, fail, it's irrelevant. I'm going to do it. I will never look back and say, I wish I would have.
0: So you're always living in the moment and taking up them opportunities and living it. You're not so much on, hey, have people remember me for hundreds of years.
1: I, I, I just, no. In fact, cremate me, throw me in the yard. Don't really care. The whole thing is that, you know, I, 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 I do these things for myself. And if people get some stuff out of it, awesome. You know, look, will this book be around? Who knows? I, I doubt they're going to have paper books in a hundred years from now. So maybe that'll be information that's passed on. Maybe not. Maybe my kids or grandkids or, or what have you. But at the end of the day, um, I'm doing this because it's a journey I'm going on. It's like this wealth hack thing. I'm going on a journey. I'm a student. Like I started this conversation with. And so as I'm going on it, I just like to take people along that quest because as look. I'm 29 years sober. They don't drink, smoke, use drugs. And the one thing they have is called progress, not perfection. And that's how I live my life. It's just always a state of progress. You're never there. So just enjoy the ride. Have the greatest time you can. And uh, look back and say, man, I gave it all I had.
0: I love it, man. Do you, do you, what's one goal like you are out to get? What's something you haven't done yet in your life? I mean, you've done a lot. The, film,
1: the movie. It's so funny. I, and one of these, I think it was Stickability. Yeah, this one here. Uh, Thank you for stickability. I was interviewing uh, Frank Shankwitz, founder of Make a Wish Foundation, and we were getting up. I was done, and I was taking off my microphones. And I look at him, and I go, "Hey, by the way, Frank, I go, I got to ask you. I go, what was your wish?" He goes, "What are you talking about?" I go, "Well, what did you ask for?" And he goes, "No one ever asked me." I go, "No one ever asked you what your wish was?" I go, "Whatever it is, I'm your genie. I go, I'm gonna grant your wish." And he says, "I just want my story to be told, so my grandkids know I did something cool." I go, well, "Sign over your life rights." I'm going to make it into a major feature film. The only problem is I've never made a feature film. (laughs) He trusted me, signed it over. And now in April, we start filming. In fact, we're doing a small campaign to raise dough for people who want to be part of this. But what's really cool about it is I went to a town where he lives, where all this kind of came to be in Prescott, Arizona. And we got the city council and the mayor and everyone to donate the buildings and roadways and freeways and people and cars. And so the whole hook is going to be how an entire city comes out to grant the wish of the founder of Make-A-Wish. And it's just an amazing journey. I mean, what a great story.
0: He's a great guy. I mean, we just spoke at uh, what was it, Epic Mastermind Experience and it's just a great story. So anybody, any way I can help you, uh, let me know. that Because that guy is like, he. how many wishes has he granted? <laughs>
1: Well, it's so funny. People don't know that he's just star. He was just a cop. And so a year and a half into the beat, a poor kid was dying of leukemia and had a wish to be a cop. So he was the guy who actually granted this wish. And When he passed away, he said, boy, at least we made this boy's dream come true before he left the earth and said, boy, if we did it for him, maybe we could do it for others and started this nonprofit. A year and a half later, turned it over to the foundation, which it is today, and grew it to the juggernaut. And so he remained a cop for all these years, never took a penny from Make-A-Wish. And so he's just the guy who planted the seed. And so it's really interesting is they'll talk about doing something and leaving a legacy. Now, in 100 years or 200 years or 1,000 years, will the Make-A-Wish Foundation be around I don't know, but I will say this. The guy has left an indelible mark in our lives today.
0: So this this interview has been very interesting and fun. Yeah, you and I could you could talk all day. I mean you've interviewed hundreds of successful people, and I'm excited to get that book and get more answers out of you about the billionaires because that does interest me. <laughs> I mean because my mind, I'm always – so my thing is I'm open, and I, I don't know what I don't know, and I, I only know what the past has told me, and Napoleon Hill is – been so far from the years of study to be the the truest, and any book and even my own books have basically been back to the foundation of what Napoleon Hill has created and, and learned. So I'm open to many things. I mean, I do have my own beliefs, but they continue to change, whether right. it be religion or what's possible or technology or anything. And okay. Okay. people are willing okay. to that.
1: So the the again the thing of thinking or rich, the reason why it's so time tested. Is because based on 17 principles it's a, those principles are still alive today as they were 100 years ago what Don Green says if you jumped out of a building hundred years ago you'd splat the same way as today those principles of physics don't change so what he did is share the principles for personal achievement that will stand forever test of time yes the medium might change you know they didn't have an internet and uh, you know whatever back in the day but you know the principles still stay the same
0: exactly so everybody go read Thinking You're Rich by Napoleon Hill. I'll wait in the devil if you want to take it to the next step.
1: Wait, Three Feet from Gold.
0: Three Feet from Gold. Thinkability. Thinkability.
1: Things. Napoleon Hill's Road to Riches. Get it all.
0: And your next book, what's it going to be called again?
1: Uh, it's called The Wealth Hack. And I, I, this one I'm not doing through Napoleon Hill Foundation. I'm, I'm doing on my own through Ben Bella Books. Uh, worldwide distribution deal that is going to be uh, – it's going mean, be pretty spectacular because what, what I wanted to do is have no filter on this one. So I'm interviewing people that, look, if you made $100 million in a yak farm or, you know, in any, in, 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 it doesn't make a difference how you made it. I just want to know how they did it because I don't want to judge. I just want to know how they did it and then see if there's common denominators between them. Because if I interview 50 billionaires and they all did different things, but they all bought pork bellies then I'm going to go buy some pork bellies. Does that make sense? So I'm looking for those common denominators. Um, And you'd be shocked of uh, how many people of these billionaires have not read Think and Grow Rich, quite frank. And it's interesting. A lot of them, all of them have read Anne Rand's uh, uh, Atlas Shrugged. I mean, that's so far as the universal book is, you know, that's a question I ask every single person, you know, what, what's their thing. So, so far Atlas Shrugged is that by far, 10x the, the book that all of these people say is their uh driving force and you've read it of course well, and that 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 is that is the key uh you know again it's but it's interesting we're going back to the principles even though they haven't read thinking go rich they
0: applied the principles
1: all principles and it's kind of like one of those things that a lot of people live a good god fearing life and they're living you know faith based principles but they don't call it by a faith based It'll
0: Before be I even read the book, I was applying the principles and I saw it after reading it. I looked back at my life and saw, holy shit, I was applying some of the principles.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. The president of uh, Napoleon Hill Foundation sent me this. It's a little wood carving for PMA, right? And it's all about, you know, that positive mental attitude. And you know, W. Clement Stone and Napoleon Hill would argue what is the number one principle for personal achievement. And obviously, uh, you know, stone thought it was PMA and, uh, Napoleon Hill thought it was definitive purpose and they would, you know, that was like their friendly debate. And, uh, so that's why both of those books are available and out there. (laughs) but it was really interesting because, you know, it, 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 it all comes down to this thing. When I keep asking these billionaires, I go, what's more important, passion or opportunity. It's almost that same argument. And so far, opportunity is way <laughs> crushing way it. There. I mean, way crushing it over. Um, because I don't give anyone any backstory. I just sit there and say, you know, like the first thing out of their mouth. You know, by the way, what's more important, passion or opportunity? I well, answer one: opportunity.
0: How do you get connection with these billionaires? Uh, just call them out. You just call them out and be persistent.
1: I, I know. I uh, opposite of persistent. So I have a theory. I, I, I someone told me a great quote many many years ago. Never beg a person to give them a compliment or money. So I don't beg people to give them a compliment or money. All I do is I reach out and give them an opportunity to be featured in a worldwide best-selling book and have their story told. If they don't want that. That's cool. But I'm not going to beg them to tell the <laughs> story. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, so
0: no, that's a great way to put it, and that's a great lesson. So, uh, well, we both are. For any of you listening, we're both in the film "Think: The Legacy of Thinking to Go Rich," which is based off the book great uh film if you want to check it out it's on uh indiegogo it's the number one most crowdfunded docudrama in history which yeah. will be coming out this spring early summer excited just quickly let's uh secret now hey,
1: let's, go, let's go let's go yeah before you do that let's go back to the people I have not read think and grow rich and the importance of yeah it. let's do that this is not this is not an option for people who have not read Thinking We're rich, there's no option. You have to read this book. And the Napoleon Hill Foundation and Don Green and the people that are protecting the teachings and sharing it with the future generations, this is second to none. This is so important. In fact, if you want, um, I'll, I'll send you one of these. This, by the way, this is a leather-bound collector's edition from the Napoleon Hill Foundation. There's only, I think, 1,000 done of this. Uh, gold leaf, the whole bit. But inside here are actual pictures of Napoleon Hill when he was like interviewing the hey, different, you people.
0: gave that to Caleb Maddox at the event.
1: I, I, exactly, so <laughs> I want he, one. Well, I said I'll send it. I'll send you two. Okay. Says, give me your address. I'll get one for you, and then one you can give out to your whoever contest you want to do. And but the whole point is, is that you you must read this book, and then you don't want to just read it. You want to consume it. You actually want to study it. And and a lot of people get caught up because it was written so long ago and they're talking about a suit that you could buy for or a hat for 10 cents and things of that nature. Or, yeah, it's not mo- forget it. Look at the principles how they stood the test of time. This is game-changing stuff because when you start putting this into your brain, and remember, the way that they're doing this movie think, that's how I say it too. It's think, pause and grow rich. It's not think and grow rich. It's think and grow rich. Use your mind. You, there's more gold that's been, you know, mined from the human mind than the uh, the dirts and earth that we'll ever know.
0: I am excited to see the film. I've seen one of the reenactments, which blew me away. I'm excited to see your part. Everybody else in it: Barbara Cork and Lewis Howes, Bob Proctor. The list goes on. Uh, check that out. But one more thing: you have a very unique event. It's called Secret Knock, and. You don't even tell people like until the last minute where it's at. You don't say who's there, but share, because I want my listeners, I'm going to be going to this event, secret knock. We're talking about some other cool things with it, but tell the listeners why they should be there.
1: Okay. So here's my job. My job is full time. As I travel around the world, I meet the most powerful, influential people. And I tell their story in book and film folks would come up to me and say, how do I meet your friends? And so it started with 12 people in my living room where I brought a couple people I interviewed to hang out with my friends. And it grew and grew and grew. And this year for 2017, we hit an Inc. Uh, magazine list, number one and Forbes, number two, must attend event for entrepreneurs worldwide. It's the greatest event you cannot attend because <laughs> you have to be invited. You have to go through a screening process. The whole concept, if you wear a tinfoil hat and talk to dead aliens, you're not getting into our circle because I've worked too hard to build the relationships with these amazing human beings. But And if you're a brand new bagel shop, I love you and I send you love. There's a billion events. Go to those. We're not your tribe. But if you've been around for a few years and you built that bagel shop and everyone said you were crazy, but you proved yourself right. And now you're all alone and you think that you're the smartest person in your group. We're the tribe you've been looking for. We actually are the one event that we don't bring in teachers and coaches and mentors. We bring in the actual human being who did it. So if you want to start a nonprofit, meet Frank, the founder of Make-A-Wish. If you got an idea for a clothing line, come hang out with uh, Brian Smith, founder of Ugg Boots. If you got an idea for uh, a pizza chain and everyone thinks you're crazy because you want to bring a rat as a mascot – Meet Gene Landrum, founder of Chuck E. Cheese. We're bringing the actual people, and they don't just walk on stage and walk off. They just hang out for a couple days, so you have access to have a beer, have lunch, dinner. I mean, we're very open, so that's why we're very careful who we bring. So what you do is you go to secretknock.co. We left the M off, so secretknock.co, or just Google it and fill out an application and say you heard it here on this uh, webcast, and that way I already know you're already pre-qualified. And so the whole idea is that cut to the front of the line but if you just fill it out arbitrarily you're going to have to go through a long process so make sure you say hey by the way i heard it here um that's what it is and by the way it's three thousand bucks to go and we will not tell you where it is or who's gonna be there the whole lineup it's just the way it is about a month before we'll send an email saying hey, here's the private location you're not allowed to share it with anybody and then when you show up your you're mind I'm will be-
0: up. i'm excited I'm looking forward to it, man. How can people connect with you personally if they want to just follow some of your stuff?
1: Just go to my Google, Greg Reed or, you know, whatever. So, But the main thing is, you know, forget about me. What can I do for you? I mean, if someone's out there and they're listening to this and they're going, gee, I really like to ask this guy a question or whatever, you know, just reach out. My email, personal email is Greg, G-R-E-G at dot com gregreid.com. Just say, Hey, I, I, I saw on this webcast. I got a simple question. I don't want to talk about, you know, your, your kids and what you ate for dinner last night. But if you got a specific question and that I can answer for you, consider me your mentor.
0: Dude, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Any last words you want to leave with the audience?
1: I will on this. There's the biggest thing I didn't even share my greatest takeaway. You never asked me what my greatest takeaway from my experiences are, so I'll Don't wait me. till I give it to it here. Uh, the greatest one ever, and this is life changing. If people listening to this follow this from now forward, your life will never be the same. Big statement, I know. So I interviewed the founder of String Theory, Super String Theory. If you ever watch Big Bang Theory, Sheldon's always working on this concept. Well, the person who figured it out is a guy named John Schwartz. And I sat in his office and I says, you know, what's the difference between success and failure? This is the greatest takeaway you'll ever get. He said, successful people seek counsel and failures listen to opinion. I said, what's the difference? He goes, opinion is based on ignorance, lack of knowledge, inexperience, like all your family, friends that don't share your dreams because they've never done what you're about to venture upon. Counsel is based on wisdom, knowledge, mentorship. People have paved the way. If you go to a family friend and say, I'm going to write a book, they're going to tell you every reason you can't do it and talk you out of it because they've never done it. If you go to Mark Victor Hansen, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul, sold 100 million copies and say, I'm going to write a book, he'll say, before you get started, here's what you need to know and give you counsel based on wisdom, knowledge, mentorship. John Short said, if we would spend our activities only seeking counsel and ignoring people's opinion, that's the day your life would change. That's why we started Secret Knock. That's why you're doing this webcast. The whole idea is how do you surround yourself with the people that are getting the results you want so ultimately you can get those results for yourself.
0: Boom. Great stuff, man. Thank you. Drop the mic. Drop the mic. Thank you so much, everybody listening. You know what time it is? It is time to go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Bernancio Adams. Have a great day, everyone. wow well how do you guys like that that was that was something that was uh that was a show and a half the knowledge you take from that seriously like reach out to him like he gave you your his email you better reach out to the guy if you want insight if you ever want to reach out to me brandon at brandontadams.com reach out uh send me some ideas like you got to take advantage of the situation where people that have already achieved what you want to achieve, learn from them. They've paved the highway. Learn how they did it. Don't ask somebody that hasn't done it before. Ask somebody who's already achieved it. The one great thing, he said, if you want to become an Amazon bestseller become a New York Times bestseller, go to somebody who's done it. Learn from them. If you want to become a billionaire, learn from the billionaire. I'm all about finding somebody who's already achieved what you want to achieve, Follow in their footsteps, and learn from them. This show is amazing. Highly suggest you check out his event, Secret Knock. All the notes, everything else at brennancyadams.com. All the details, all the things we talked about on the show and links to everything else. Check that out. And again, if you haven't uh, heard yet, we have our show, Live to Grind. My own TV show coming out. We're, uh, We're filming and we're creating something awesome. You get to see behind the scenes of my life with the people we work with and on a regular basis and we we'll are bring that to you so you can find that all at live and that is it for today's show everybody go out there create something great and become unforgettable because life is too short not to i'm brennan c adams have a great day everyone